This is Up For Debate Presents Scary Movies to Watch in the Dark. Tonight, episode number 164, recorded November 6th, 2019. Chapter 3, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Up For Debate Presents. I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by the man who certainly haunts my nightmares. It's Mr. Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. How's it going, Sean? How are you doing this evening? It, it's, it, you know, Matt, it's amazing to me how seamlessly we went right from Scare-tober right into Spook-vember. Yeah. How was your, how was your Halloween? Not scary at all. Not scary. It was, really? it was downright pleasant. Well, I'll have you know that um, Northern Virginia was under a tornado watch for most of this Halloween. So my Halloween was a little bit unintentionally scary mm. scary for all the wrong reasons to be fair though you might be mixing up the concepts of scary and windy uh going outside and seeing like a like a a windy childless street on halloween it's a little unsettling and then all of a sudden you just hear kick kick mama mama what was that <laughs> Who's there? Sean, is that you? Is that you, Sean? Blade scraping along the metal. Yeah. Well, I uh to pass the time in this this spooky Halloween night, I went out to my local Target and I bought Luigi's Mansion 3 for Ooh. the Nintendo Switch. And I have to say it's it's been a, a pretty pretty great game. I highly recommend it. Um if you get a chance, very, very spooky, very silly and fun. Very nice. I'm a, I'm a big Luigi supporter. Yeah. 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 I think he, he totally deserves he's, his own He's games. a good dude. He's my Mario there's, Party guy. There's lots of critics out there that, you know, are ready to, they're ready to, to dump on my man Luigi. Who says Mario's so great? You know, I don't know. I think that Luigi... He he would probably be so much more without Mario. I think yeah. I think Mario's holding him back. You know what? I'm Damn being straight. Honest. Damn yeah. straight. I think Mario's. I think he needs a little bit of distance from Mario is a good thing. It's like, oh, look at my brother, the doctor, Doctor Mario <laughs> yeah. over here. Oh, yeah. look at how great Star he is. tennis player. Oh, he's throwing know? all these parties. Oh, <laughs> look at how great he Everybody is. Everybody wants to go to his party. I mean, Luigi owns a mansion, but you don't hear anyone talking about that. Well, technically, he doesn't own. Well, actually, yeah, you know, you're right. He does because he, he wins it in a contest. Does he? Is that the? That's the plot. <laughs> it's the plot of the beginning. But it's all it's all a ploy by King Boo, who's lured lured um, lured him there. I think I think that's how it goes. That's awesome. I, I had absolutely no idea. Yeah, it's been so long since I played the first one, but this one's great. Uh, this one, he's in a hotel, uh, a spooky haunted hotel that he again receives a mysterious note. And wins a a on all expense paid trip to the contest, but it you you get to see how desperate Luigi is for attracting friends because I think even like if you watch the opening cutscene, even he deep down I think he knows that this is a trap, but he has all the rest of the gang so excited about it like Mario and and Peach and their uh, two Toad friends like one Blue Toad and one Yellow Toad. Don't ask me where Red Toad is, um, but. I guess he didn't get a get an get an invite. Maybe he's the one that they don't really they secretly don't like. I don't know, but um, there I don't think Yoshi's there. But 
anyway, that crew, they all get in. Yeah, they, they go on this all-expense-paid trip to this haunted hotel. Um, I think even Luigi deep down knows what's going on. But you know what? Luigi wants to just feel – he wants to feel like the boss. He goes up to the counter and checks in, and uh, he won the contest. He's feeling good. Poor Luigi. That yeah. just shows you how desperate he is for – for everyone else's approval. I, I, and, I, and it's because he's been under Mario's boot for so long. I love the first sentence of the plot section of Luigi's Mansion on Wikipedia, which reads, Luigi is notified he has won a mansion in a contest he did not enter. <laughs> nope. You're going to want to leave that one alone. Should have uh, should I mean, have left that one in the I inbox. I know that happens to me all the time. Hey, Sean, guess what? You won a house. You didn't enter to win it, but you won it. Drag, yeah, you should have dragged that one to spam, Luigi. Whoops. Whoops Living is learn. right. Uh, Matt, we have got... But speaking of nightmares... Yes, we have done two <laughs> scary movies so far. We're on to our third. We are moving ahead all the way to The Great Year, 1984, which is pretty neat because um, a lot of famous cinema happened in 1984. Arguably one of the most famous years for, right. for, for films. Can you name some of the films that came out in 1984? Oh, gosh. You got me on the spot here. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Would you like me to tell you? No. No. I, I, I bet I could Let's probably Let's see. Here we go, two. Matt. How many of the top 10 highest grossing films of 1984 can you name? All right. Uh, well, first, uh, was Raiders? Was No. Maybe not. Raiders? No. Got to go forward a bit. Damn it. Raiders was 81. Yeah. Uh, not Return. Return was 83. Right. The Jedi. Yeah, you, you got to come forward a right. bit. Damn. Um, Jaws? No, no, Jaws was damn. way earlier. That's what I thought. That's totally what it's like. I mean, I will second. tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't obviously in the top 10, but the best uh, film... Academy Award went to Amadeus. Oh, love that movie. Yeah. Love Amadeus. But it was not in the top 10. Um, Aliens? No. Okay. No, Aliens was a little later. Uh, oh, Aliens was 86. So now I overshot it. All right, I'm going to do one more guess. The Goonies. No, Matt, you don't know when anything is. No, I, but I don't get paid to know when things right, are. Right, so. Here we go. Uh, top 10 highest grossing movies of so 1984, beginning with number 10, uh, Tom Hanks in Splash. Nope, then would have never guessed that. Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. Oh, God, that movie, I, that I, movie I, messed with my mind. I, it was the number nine that year. Uh, number messed eight, Romancing the Stone. Number seven, Footloose. Number six, Police Academy. Number five, These are all Sean movies. The Karate Kid. Number four, Gremlins. Number three, Ghostbusters. Number two, Beverly Hills Cop. And number one, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Ah, there all right. You go. I could have got Temple of Doom. But you could have, but you didn't. So, but you didn't. That, that's, a, that's quite a year for movies. Also released that year, by the way, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which was the fourth installment in the franchise um was it really the the final chapter though not even close not even close 
Um, so anyway, there you go, a little movie trivia for you. But yes, 1984, big year. It also included the film we're talking about tonight, Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Matt, uh, we both watched the movie for this evening's show. Uh, where would you like to start on this? You want to do a little background? You want to talk about the movie? Uh, I think, I think it's it's this. You know what? This is your movie. I think I think it's your pick. Well, we can talk a little bit about our our good friend Wes Craven, known these days as the master of horror. Um, probably yeah. his most successful work is arguably um, this movie, um, I would say. But also, of course, behind Scream, which actually we're going to watch next week, which will be fun. Um, but also The Hills Have Eyes, Swamp Thing. Uh, Vampires in Brooklyn, uh, a number of other very successful movies, obviously Scream 2, Scream 3. Um, he didn't do the sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street, but he did come back for Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Um, the sort of origin of this movie, um, based on, uh, and this is all true, several newspaper articles printed in the Los Angeles Times in the 1970s about Southeast Asian refugees who, after fleeing to the United States because of war and genocide, suffered disturbing nightmares and refused to sleep. Some of the men died in their sleep soon afterward. Uh, they called the phenomenon a name I don't think would be very politically correct today, Asian Death Syndrome. Wow. That's <laughs> which that's the worst thing to call that. All, it sounds like you contracted Asian and died from it. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that is the worst possible name I can think of for what is going on there. Uh, it was believed to be uh, either sudden, unexplained death syndrome, which is also a thing, um, or uh, Brugada syndrome, a genetic disorder in which the electrical activity within the heart is abnormal. Um, uh, Craven is quoted as saying, it was a series of articles in the LA Times, three small articles about men from Southeast Asia who were from immigrant families and died in the middle of nightmares. Um Another interesting, uh, and this might sound familiar after I say it, the 1970s pop song Dreamweaver by Gary Wright also gave Craven some inspiration, um, not only in terms of the dreams, but also the synthesizer-heavy soundtrack. If you listen to parts of the movie, he literally ripped off Dreamweaver. I'm surprised uh, Gary Wright never sued him for that. So he, he ripped off another movie? No, like, he ripped off the Ireland? song Dreamweaver. Oh, the song. Dream you know that one of course yes and the synth in the movie is extremely identical to oh. dreamweaver and it makes sense given the plot right the context of the movie yes Weird. uh one other piece of background here the film's villain freddy krueger is drawn from craven's early life one night a young craven saw an elderly man walking on the side path outside the window of his home the man stopped to glance at craven and walked off this served as the inspiration for Kruger. Not a great story, but apparently it did. Um, was the man wearing a fedora? It doesn't say in this Wikipedia article, believe it or not. Um, do you know where the name Freddy Krueger comes from? Um, is it a hockey player? So that's the guess I'm going to make. It sounds it's a like great a great name. Great name for a hockey player. Right? Isn't it? No. Uh, believe it or not, and can you imagine if this was your honor? Um, Wes Craven was bullied at school by a child named Fred Krueger. Hmm. So there's an actual guy somewhere called named Fred Krueger. Wow. Yeah, and, and and it was his his childhood bully. Yes. 
It's a it's a solid name for the. Uh, would you be honored? Would you be honored if like there was a famous horror movie whose like mo- like child murdering hell villain was named Matt Mariani? Uh, that doesn't really sound like a child. That sounds more like a guy <laughs> that would be making pasta or something. A <laughs> guy with making pasta. <laughs> like I don't think that sounds Chef very Matt intimidating. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like a guy who I, honestly I think should own like a like a chain of Italian restaurants. That would be my son Giovanni. I'd buy Giovanni spaghetti sauce Marano. from that guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Craven chose to make Kruger's sweater red and green after an article in 1982's Scientific American that said those two colors were the most clashing colors to the human retina. Did you know that? Which what colors? Red and green. Oh, so red and green being in, in combination. Yes. Those are the two that clash the most. According to a 1982 Scientific American article. Uh, I, I believe that. I believe that. Go figure. I would have thought red and blue. Uh, those are on the, the polar ends of the spectrum. That's true. And, you know, red and green are Christmas colors. Well, green, red is a primary color, mm. right? And green is not. not. So may, maybe that's that could have something Wait, to do with it, too. It? Who knows? Oh, see, I always mix up RGB yeah. with... Green is not a primary color, right? I know, but... What two colors make green? Blue and yellow, right? Blue and yellow make green? I've never been good at this. We're going back to first grade, Red, yellow, blue are the primary colors. Right. Red and yellow make green. Red and blue make purple. Wikipedia. And what what do blue and yellow make? Primary colors. Oh, God. Blue and yellow make orange? No, that doesn't make sense. Damn it. Red and yellow make orange. Blue and yellow make green. Red and blue make purple. That's it. Okay. Yeah, that's it. First and foremost, the primary colors, yellow, red, and blue, are at the top of any color structure, says this article. Secondary colors, orange, purple, green. Yellow and red make orange. Red and blue make purple. Blue and yellow make green. Mix them all together, it makes a mess. Oh, it sure does. Um, (laughs) That's all the interesting facts I have about Nightmare on Elm Street for the moment. Uh, There might be a few dumped in um, throughout, but... What did you think of this movie overall? I enjoyed it. I will say... So far, we've now watched three movies. This is the first one I wouldn't say I was terrified at, but I was tense and somewhat scared during. This was the first one to actually sort of get me scared. Mainly because such crazy stuff kept happening, I did not know what was going to happen next. I think that's the that's the whole trick with the movie, isn't it? It's It's a special effects movie. It gets there's, you to question what's real and what's not. There's no plot to this movie. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie with such little plot. No, things just happen. I was shocked. It's about things happening. The first murder is like 10 minutes into the movie. There's no setup. Like, you don't even... You, uh, quiz me on who the characters' names are. I don't even know. It's like there's the, the one who's a greaser for some reason, and then there's Johnny Depp. And then there's the one who <laughs> survives at the end. Like, it's... I, it, there's no establishing of these characters or the world they live in. Yeah, but I and I, I don't I think that's the point though. The point the whole point is that things just keep happening to these 
these poor people and you're you're kind of left it's more it's more to try to trick you into believing that you're like you're in a dream or are you not in a dream or are you think you think it's real but it's actually you're still in a dream yeah and you're gonna die uh i didn't see this movie this is one of the ones that i definitely had, had never watched until this point i know that's kind of surprising because it's easily one of the more famous of our list sure i had just never gotten around to seeing it i thought it was really really good um i did not like freddy krueger however as a matter of fact, if I were if I were making this movie, I would just not have him in the movie at all. I would just have these these people die in like various horrific ways, and maybe at the end have some kind of like ghost monster that is behind it all, like kind of like a poltergeist type movie. But I don't, I don't think I would have the Freddy Krueger. I didn't like this fedora. I thought his fedora looked kind of dumb. Every time I, I saw him, I just saw I, – I thought he was kind of silly. Yeah, the designs aren't great on Freddy Krueger. It's one of those things where it's like – so we don't learn until like an hour into the movie who, the, who Freddy Krueger is, who the villain is. And we learn, of course, the totally common story of a child murderer who uses a knife claw to kidnap and kill children – is in what has to be one of the craziest abuses of our legal system is let off the hook because of a missing signature on a search warrant, which I don't <laughs> think is a thing. No. Call me crazy, but it's like he murdered 20 children. I don't think they would just let him go. I'm sure they could get him on uh, some other kind of charge. But anyway, he just walks free. A bunch of the parents in the town say, we're not going to stand for this. And rather than just kill him, which would be, Probably easy with 20 of them, one of them being a police officer um, that we know of. They go to his lair, which is in like an oil refinery or a boiler room, or I don't know where that was. And they pour a bunch of gasoline, they light it on fire, and they burn him alive. Now, my question is, he must have died wearing those clothes, right? So I'm cool with the glove hand. But you're telling me he casually wore around a red and green striped sweater a fedora and just like cat, like work pants and work boots. Right. That's confusing. I, 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 yeah, this is, this is exactly why I, I didn't, I didn't like it. I don't like the design. It see, I think I wrote down that it seemed to me, um, it seemed to me that when West, Wes Craven made this movie. He was just like, he had the, he had the vision of the kids will dress up like this on Halloween and it'll be a popular Halloween costume for years and years to come. Mm -hmm. I know he didn't have that vision, but it's just what it seems like just based on, based on the, the design of, of this character. It's like, it's very famous. It's become very iconic, but uh, I, yeah, I was not, um, I was not crazy about the way he looked, but I guess it's not really what it's about. I, there are a couple of th other things that this movie is about. I do like though the burned aspect. 
if we're talking about the presentation of the character at this time in cinema, it was really all about the mask. Um, yeah. And I like the idea that they went with the burn, which is something they did specifically as a way to make him look screwed up without covering his face up. So I appreciated that. The issue is for me with Freddy Krueger in this movie is, you know, we kind of have hindsight where we know what happens in the next zillion nightmare movies. He gets a personality in the later movies, including that famous catchphrase thing that Jesse Pinkman later ended up doing on Breaking Bad, where he would just say something and then throw a bitch at the end, um, <laughs> including, by the way, such great lines. And these are actual Jason or uh, Freddy lines from later movies. But welcome to my world, bitch. And also <laughs> Kung Fu this bitch. And uh, welcome to prime time, bitch. Uh, I should stop saying bitch. But anyway, you get the idea. Um, he has a lot more personality in this movie. He's like he either I agree with you. There either needs to be less or more. Cause he's right in the middle. I need, I need him either to be like stranger and more opaque or I need him to have more personality. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he enters some sort of weird middle ground that, uh, he I barely talks in the movie. No, that's true. I was going to say, I, I can't even recall him having more than like one instance of, of, uh, well, it was all one liners. It was all one liners. Yeah. He, he, there was no exposition. Yeah, I, I was glad that they resisted the temptation of like every time he kills someone, he, he has to make some kind of snarky James Bond esque quip. That uh, that was good. Uh, at least for this one, I haven't I was seen say, that. Sequence, that comes back in the later I'm movies. Sure, I'm sure they do, yeah. but uh, yeah, I I I can't really say. I did like the acting on the side of the people who got murdered, the, the murder victims. And they I were thought better they than the Friday pretty, the 13th kids. Yeah, they, they did a pretty solid, they sold it. They sold it a lot better um, in many different ways. Uh, even though, who could even really remember their names? I guess it wasn't, that wasn't really what it was about. How many, how many but, of their names can you remember? Um, I mean, I'm cheating because I have a list. Off the top of my head. So who's the first girl to get murdered? Tina is one of the okay, girls. Okay, that's the first it's one Tina. where she's with her greaser boyfriend in the 80s for some reason with the slick back <laughs> hair and the leather jacket. And hey, I think yes. at one point he gives a up your nose with a rubber hose type joke as he leaves. It was very weird. Um, and what's his name? The boyfriend's name who gets accused of the murder and later gets killed in jail. Is his name Greg? No, not even close. Not even within a million miles. <laughs> that was just a wild guess. Greg the Greaser. No, Rod Lane. Do they say his name? Oh, yeah, many times. Okay. Um, and then, of course, uh, Johnny Depp's character, as, as the screen says, introducing Johnny Depp. That's right. This was kind of his first... Uh, this his was first his first movie. Major motion picture, yeah. Absolutely. He played Glenn Lance and, of course, um, our, our the hero of the movie, um, Nancy Thompson. Right. Heather Langenkamp. Um, I, I honestly cannot remember anybody okay. else. But that's the point. Yeah. You're not supposed to. That's the point. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not matter. Um. 
Yeah, so uh, so any any particular place you want to start in the movie? We just talk um, about people getting straight up murdered. Yeah, I mean this is something that happens a lot. Do, do you have a do you have a favorite murder in this movie? Oh, absolutely. One stands out far above the rest for me. Okay. And that do you have one that stands out? Uh, I'm gonna see if if ours is the same. Okay. Mine. So yeah, yeah. You, you go first. Mine is unequivocally, and this is one I had actually seen the clip of without ever having seen the movie, so I knew it was in there, and I was very excited. It has got to be Johnny Depp getting sucked into the bed, and that enormous geyser, that stupidly large geyser of blood shooting out of the bed, for me is my favorite kill in the movie. Not that many people die in this movie. No, it's all about the buildup. Yeah. There's a lot of build It's about up. stalking and fighting more so. Because mm-hmm. Nancy goes hand-to-hand with Freddy Krueger like five times in the movie. Why he doesn't just kill her, I don't understand. Because he keeps letting her get away. Um, but not many people die. I also, I thought it was kind of... I didn't... It bothered me that when the, when they, the people die in the nightmares, I get them dying in real life. Like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't really have have uh bothered me so much but it's the like they they're covered in blood and they have like all these things like how they die in the dream i think shouldn't really have any bearing on how they die in reality they should just be dead and nobody knows why no because that's not very good for a movie i mean but that doesn't make any it just doesn't make any sense because it's like it's a dream it's not real that part doesn't bother me as much though as the wildly inconsistent rules freddie plays by because it's like okay i get it Freddy controls the dreams. If he murders you in your dreams, you die in real life. Some of it carries over into the physical world. I'm willing to let him have that. Okay? Like like when the when the blouse has the cut marks in it. Like, it's a movie. I'm going to let some of that slide. But then at one point, like, Nancy's phone rings and she picks it up and it's Freddy Krueger. She's not even sleeping. Her phone just rings. And he... So he can just call people now? That was uh, very... It was yeah. little things like that that really... I. It was like, yeah. is she dreaming? Isn't she dreaming? I guess that was maybe on purpose in the movie, but it's he's got to play by the rules. I don't know. Maybe maybe Freddy Krueger is like an agent in the Matrix. Oh, like go through the phone lines and stuff. And that's why when Nancy was like, I'm going to bring him into the world, real world. I'm like, don't do that. Leave him in the dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was a mistake. Bad idea. That was a mistake. Like you if you can kill his ass in the real world. I'm sure you can kill his ass in the dream. He's definitely not able to kill you. So anyway. Uh, uh, did you like when they like booby trapped the house? Uh, like, oh, when it was home alone home, or home alone, alone, home alone style. Yeah. Although what I also wrote, I actually did write that. I said, it's home alone, but I just wrote or skyfall. Oh yeah. Right. Um, yes, no, that was stupid, but it's also amazing that this came out before Home Alone, so I'm like, hmm, yeah, where'd that idea come from? No, Home Alone. honestly, I didn't have a problem that she did that. The problem I had, and again, this is just me being a nitpicky movie watcher, is she's like, you know, she calls her father, the the police lieutenant, and says, you know, you have to break down the door in exactly 20 minutes, and then she, like, sets up all these booby traps that would take way more than 20 minutes to set up. (laughs) The, The movie supposits she does it in zero amount of time. Yeah. Which is weird. That there's a lot me of a lot of anything magic here. Uh, she doesn't even have time to make herself a nice mac and cheese dinner. No, like but Kevin, she does have time to have a full brewed pot of coffee running under her bed 
that right. she pulls out. And I'm like, girl, you have a problem. Yeah. You are not okay. With those like very clearly labeled like no sleep, no doze right. pills that she's just well, popping. I guess that was a lot more a lot more wholesome than her like doing crack cocaine or yeah. something. Oh, here, the pill bottle just says amphetamines. A- amphetamines. Okay. Yeah. Right? All right. Sure. That's legit. Hey, it was the 80s, Speed. man. Yeah. The Reagan eras. Any, you know, anything went. Yep. Got to have those greens. Um. Wow. That's, uh, that, I mean, that's really all I have for, for, for the plot of the movie. I, I Actually, I kind of like the ending. Okay, we have got to talk about the ending. Yeah, we could talk about. I, I, I kind of enjoyed the ending. It, first of all, it was bizarre and yeah, weird. That's what I liked about it, and I hated it. It was, sur- it was like a surreal ending. No, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it at all. But it was. I, I liked it. It was good. We talked about this with the Exorcist and the ending. They cut. Thank goodness. We talked about it with Friday the Thirteenth and the weird Jason coming back ending. And it's, believe it or not, it's similar with this movie where, and this is true, um, Craven originally planned for the film to have a more evocative ending. Um, Nancy kills Kruger by ceasing to believe in him and then awakens to discover that everything that happened in the film was elongated nightmare. However, the head of the studio demanded a twist ending in which Kruger disappears and all seems to have been a dream only for the audience to discover it was a dream within a dream within a dream. Mm. Uh, They actually shot... um, different endings and on some of the DVDs and Blu-rays, they actually have the alternate endings. Believe it or not. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I thought it. it was good. I hated it. I, Cause I'm like, pick a lane, right? Pick a lane because either Freddie wins or he doesn't. And this sort of like unclearness where at first I was like, if the movie stopped after her mother gets sucked into hell, I'm like, okay, I can accept that ending. Then it's like this sort of like weird, um, foggy, like her mother's like, you know what? I think I'm going to quit drinking. You know, it's like that weird, like it's kind of a dream. And there, leave me guessing. Was it all a dream? Was it a dream? But then they have like the Freddy Krueger car thing come up and they're all screaming. It's like, I, and they don't die. I'm like, I don't know where to go with this. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool because it was, it was like always keep them guessing kind of thing like with like we mentioned with the other horror movies where uh it's the ending that you really don't expect and and it keeps it keeps like changing only i thought this one was just done better uh i'm trying to look at the um is there like a oh <laughs> I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. That's yes. my favorite favorite I'm quote. I'm your boyfriend from the movie. now. <laughs> and then isn't like that one of the, the phone, few things the phone he says. sticks the tongue the tongue comes out of the phone? Right. That was my favorite part in the whole movie. That was a good effect. The movie had great effect. Look, it was a special effects movie. Let's get real. Um, no, here's a, uh, here's a quote from Wes Craven on the ending of the movie. The original ending of the script has Nancy come out the door. It's an unusually cloudy and foggy day. A car pulls up with her dead friends in it. She's startled. She goes out and gets in the car wondering what the hell is going on. And they drive off into the fog with the mother left standing on the doorstep. And that's it. It is very brief and suggestive that maybe life is sort of dreamlike too. Shay, who was the head of New Line Cinema, wanted Freddy Krueger to be driving the car and have the kids screaming. 
It all became very negative. I felt a philosophical tension to my ending. Shane said, that's so 60s, it's stupid. I refused to have Freddy in the driver's seat, and we thought up about five different endings. And this is my favorite part. The one we used with Freddy pulling the mother through the doorway amused us all so much we couldn't not use it. So the only reason they picked that ending was because they liked that effect shot of her getting pulled in through the window. Yeah, because that was that was fun. It was fun, but it didn't make for a good ending. Well, how would you have ended this movie? Like I I would have ended it. Look, I like when these movies end on down notes. I wanted when her mother and Freddy go through the bed into hell and he's defeated and she's just standing there like, what the hell just went on? What did I just witness? And the movie just ends there and Mm. just leave us like, did she win? Didn't she win? I don't know. So you wanted it a little more ambiguous? No, because the, the the existing ending is ambiguous. The it problem is, I yeah. have, the problem I have is then put Freddy in the front seat of the car. Like at least give me something because just to have the top come up and have it lock, it's like what does that even mean? It's it's supposed to be like you can't tell if it's a dream or if it's reality or if they've defeated but Freddy or saying, if they haven't. The whole po- throughout the entire movie, right? At no point do they play with the, like, cinema trick of we as the viewer not knowing if it's a dream or not, right? At every point in the movie before the ending, we know whether or not it is a dream or not. Because the movie does a good job of telling us that, right? Would you agree? Yeah, yeah it's uh it's It doesn't play with reality yeah. like that. We know when she's asleep and we know when she's not. But at the end, they totally throw that out the window. And that is uh, frustrating to me. Because it's like, if you're going to say this movie really happened in reality, then then don't throw it all away for a fun effects ending. That That's what bothered me about the ending. Hmm. So, there you go. I've right. already I, raved. I guess I kind of disagree. That's okay. It's not my favorite, not my favorite ending of all the uh, horror movies we're going to talk about, but I thought it was... Um, I thought it was pretty... I thought it was superior to the... The Exorcist ending, because that one just kind of ends. There's nothing, there's no, I mean, but I it, like there's, that. there's a solid resolution. See, I, I like that for every other genre, but horror. I think that I, I don't mind the end, the, the, but even loose, the, the, the loose ends for horror. It's, I guess, is why I'm a Stephen King fan. Like, yeah. there's the famous, the famous stereotype that he doesn't know how to end any of his own stories. Like, he, he can only really write uh, a story, a beginning and a middle, and the end is like always, crappy uh, but i don't mind that in horror because it's it's the journey not the destination yeah but even me. but even but even in friday the 13th right when she gets attacked by jason in the lake and then it cuts to her in the hospital and we're supposed to believe that maybe jason attacked her maybe didn't he didn't attack her maybe she imagined it maybe she didn't even i'm okay with that because it's not a movie it's it, the whole movie. It's like it, it is based in reality until that one moment, and you're like, "All right, maybe she's gone so crazy she imagined it." Like you buy that, but in this movie, they play so you know the whole movie is supposed to be dream, not dream, dream, not dream, and they're so clear about it. And then at the end, to be like, "Fuck it, we don't know, we don't know, <laughs> is it real? Is it not real? I don't know. Did she? It's Freddy gone? Is he not gone? I don't know. You know that to, to me, it felt like a movie leading to a final ending we never got." But I understand. I respect your point, and this is very much a classic slasher horror movie in in the way it chose to pick its ending. I get that. Yeah, I want to talk about the themes just to switch gears a little yes, bit. Yes, please let's. Um, 
I think that the I I I sort of identified two major themes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was is is kind of the first one's kind of a repeat. The second one is not. The second one is something new that I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about. But theme number one, it, it's uh, once again um, a lot of adolescent dealing with adolescence, dealing with um, you know like hormones, teenagers, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. This is very much recurrent of what we saw with Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, there's a lot of um, social misconduct, social uh, anxiety, and stuff like that going on between the the uh, all of the teens in this movie. So we we see that trope recurring again here, um, especially with. Uh, the way that people die are like the, like, especially, you know, the, you think the, the girl in the bathtub, uh, you think the, um, the girl, like the one being chased around and things like that. It's, uh, it's kind of like, um, the, like these, these teens being, uh, isolated and then preyed upon mm-hmm. is pretty much what's going on, uh, from by an outside powerful force. So that's something you see you see it in, in Friday the 13th. We talked about it really kind of enough last time. The second theme, though, that is pretty interesting. I saw there's a lot of, um, I think, a lot of really pro-female empowerment kind of stuff going yes, on here. Yes, I, I, I mean, wrote see, that down, yeah. Yeah, you see a lot of, um, you know, the, the idea that... Um, the the female characters in this movie can take the power back that is oppressing them in a way like that seems to be the the the, the message of the movie if if there's a underlying message here uh which which i thought was kind of cool it's it's a lot of it is ba- I, there's a quote that um one of the critics of the movie said that at first glance nightmare is a pro feminist movie but I look at it more as a youth power film. So um, I don't know. What's your take on that? Uh, I, st- I strongly agree with the feminist angle. That's what I wrote. Strong female lead. Um, I think it's great. I think in so many of these horror movies, you know, yes, it's usually a woman who survives to the end of the movie. Um, but usually she's we saw some Friday the 13th. She's a victim until the last frame of the movie. You know, sure. at, at no point does she fight back in a way that makes her the hero. We see that in later as we move in the nineties and the two thousands, it's sort of changed. But at this time, I think, um, it's really fantastic to see, um, the lead character in the movie, you know, as, as goofy as it seemed to make the booby traps and things like that, to actually take the initiative when everyone around her has failed her, especially the adults. Um, which is obviously another interesting perspective on the movie, how uh, the children are smarter and more responsible than the adults in this movie. You know, every adult we see in this movie is a fuck up, essentially. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got to watch my language, but you get the idea. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly the way that I would have put it too. Uh, a lot of them, the alcoholics, they're addicted to, to, med- to pills and stuff like that. They're not, yeah. they're not really present. And, and they're, they're all murderers. Other, they're, they also and, all yeah. killed Freddy Krueger. They're afflicted. Yeah, they're all afflicted by their own hangups, whatever those things are. 
addiction and, and illnesses and stuff like that. It's really it is the young the young ones, the new generation that's kind of there to bail them out. Right. Which and, was pretty interesting. And they're able to do what the parents were not and, you know, kill Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah, they're able to succeed uh, where, where they all had failed. Uh, I thought it was interesting how that I like I, one of my favorite scenes in the movie was the conversation between the young girl, the main, basically the film's main character. Heather is it, or Heather. Nancy, Nancy. Sorry. Heather right. played Nancy, Nancy. Right, right, right. Nancy and her dad, who's the cop. Lieutenant Donald. Is the, yeah. He, um, the, their conversation about how like he, he wants to put, put Freddie away once and for all. He wants to like arrest, find this person that did this to her and arrest him. And he's all like really like all upset. And she's like, no, he comes to me in my dreams. I have to handle this. I have to uh, find a way to defeat him. Yeah. So, and I thought some, by the way, some of the scenes she acted with her mother in the movie as well were quite powerful when she's sort of uh, confronting her about what she had done in the past um, you know, talking about, you know, smashing the alcohol bottle on the ground. I thought some of those were really compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely a lot of it is like the, yeah, it's the, the children kind of leading the way is, I, I guess even a third theme you could say, you could say it's a, um, the adolescent situation for the first theme, them being preyed upon by, outside forces much like friday the 13th the second theme being the feminism and the strength of the female character female lead uh and then the third theme um you also have this this like youth empowerment uh factor as well so um yeah as far as themes go i guess this is kind of the deepest one Besides Exorcist, I thought. Oh, Exorcist, I thought Exorcist was deeper. Would, yeah, Exorcist was deeper. Yeah, but uh, I mean, oh, it's definitely got Exorcist. To say. You could, yeah, you could write you could write essay novels, let alone essays on the Exorcist. So, I really hate that fedora. <laughs> I really hate that it's fedora. It's a combination, though, because look, I get that your character has to have some kind of signature look, right? Like Jason has yeah, his hockey mask, that's, and you well, have that's to have something. That's kind of what I meant when I said that they they kind of it looks like they dressed him up to be a future Halloween costume, right? But they picked too many things. Like I think just the fedora would have been okay, or just the glove, or just the sweater. You didn't have to do all of it. Hmm. Um. Yes. Now, this movie, obviously, we mentioned was released in 1984. Uh, it was made on a budget of about uh, $1.5 million and went on to gross $25 million at the American box office. Um, interesting fun fact. I won't go into the details of it too much because it's frankly kind of boring, but they had a lot of issues with the financing of the movie. Um, originally, uh, it had been pitched. Uh, Wes Craven had made other movies before, so there were studios interested. Walt Disney was the first studio to show interest, although they wanted uh, it to tone down the content to make it suitable for children and preteens. He, Wes Craven, declined, obviously. Then they went to Paramount Pictures, who passed on it because it was similar to 1984's Dreamscape. Uh, and then Universal Studio also passed. So what he did was he went to the fledgling independent New Line Cinema, uh, who at this point had only distributed films, agreed to put up the money 
to produce it. Uh, they ended up going through a bunch of different financiers who came and went throughout the, the thing barely got made, but it did launch new line cinema, um, who is now over history produced some of the biggest movies ever, including the Lord of the Rings franchise, um, the rush hour franchise, the Austin powers franchise, um, among many others. It's often called the house that Freddie built. Uh, because of the financial success of the movie, helped build New Line Cinema. So, little fun fact there for you. We're almost approaching on the, uh, I guess it would be the 35th anniversary yes. of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, November 9th, 1984. Yes. It was when it, when it premiered to a limited theatrical release. Only 165 cinemas nationwide. Grossed nearly 1.3 million during its opening weekend, considered an instant success. Uh, yeah, went on to uh, the whole franchise. Now has nine films, including uh, obviously Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge, Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors, Dreams, Elm Street Four: The Dream Master, Elm Street Five: The Dream Tide, A Child, Freddy's Dead: Colon, The Final Nightmare, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Freddy vs. Jason, and the reboot um, from 2010 on Nightmare on Elm Street. Hmm. There have also been novels, comic books, and a short-lived TV series. Is this the uh, the first one we've done so far that's not based? Is this a true fact, or am I just making this up? Not be, the first one we've done that is not based on a book. Friday the Thirteenth wasn't based on a book, was it? No, Exorcist definitely I, was. Um. But no, so I don't. That, I don't think Friday the Thirteenth. Instead, was. that make, that makes The Exorcist the only, only one we've one. done so far. And I think it so, will be. I think the it only will one. be the only one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As far as I know, I don't think there were a lot of horror movies based on books. That seems like a really broad statement to say, but I mean, if if you count all all the Stephen King movies as, I guess all not all of them are. Well, horror, I know, but we're, but we're kind of yeah, we're using horror pretty broadly, to be honest. We are. Um, this is I think uh, you know Nightmare on Elm Street. Slasher, I think, would probably be the better way to say it. A slasher film. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is definitely in that uh, in that camp. Yeah, I think I think if we do another series like this next year, I'd like to kind of differentiate a little bit because there are a lot of great slasher film franchises. Yeah, like Friday the Thirteenth, I think would fall in that. But there's Halloween. Uh, Child's Play, which I would love to do the first Child's Play. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, being another famous one. Um, certainly a lot have been made over the years. Um, yeah, Matt, while you were talking about the themes in the movies, I did Google um, how much it would cost to purchase a Nightmare on Elm Street laser disc on eBay. Um, and the answer is more expensive than you'd think. Because I was going to send you one. I said, I'm going to send Matt a laser disc. I wonder what he would do with it. But they're kind of pricey. <laughs> what would I do with a laser? What would I do with a laser disc? I mean, what I can't. Would, what wouldn't I do with Matt, a laser disc? I can get you a signed, okay? Robert England, who plays Freddy Krueger in the movies, signed laser disc for two, uh, for, was this, $400. Okay. 
And on, I and on, don't know what I would on do it, that. on it, he wrote, <laughs> um, "Welcome to primetime, bitch." Freddy Krueger, Robert England. That's funny. I like that. Four hundred bucks. It's yours. That's pretty cool. Yep, it's got a certificate of authenticity and everything. Anyway, I just I just like it's of that era of movies that was released on Laserdisc. Yeah, it's it, those, those are that's a special, definitely a special time. Yep. Um, what else is there to say about Friday the Thirteenth? I could get into some of how the effects were done if that's interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Obviously, they created a revolving room set that was used for two murders. Uh, the first being um, young uh, Tina's murder, where she kind of is dragged up the wall and is on the ceiling. It's actually an upside down room was how they shot that. Um, they used the same rotating room for Johnny Depp's death, where the geyser of blood isn't shooting up. It's actually upside down and being poured out of the hole downward uh, towards the ceiling, which is on the ground. Um, the bathtub scene, they actually built a bathtub above a swimming pool and that's how they were able to drag her down underneath. Uh, the, um, the melting staircase where she's stepping through the staircase, it's actually used with pancake mix was how they were able to do that. Um, and of course when Freddy, uh, gets his hands and face stretching through the wall, uh, the wall was made out of spandex. Ah. So. One other fun fact, uh, I don't, I, okay, I have to look at it. He's credited as Nick Corsi. Uh, his real name is uh, Su Garcia, um, who played uh, Rod in the movie, um, was dealing with depression at the time due to recent homelessness, so he was snorting heroin in the bathroom between takes. In 2014, he revealed that he was high on heroin during the scene with, um, with, uh, See, I keep wanting to call her the actress's name with Nancy in the jail, uh, where he's saying, "Hey, I didn't, I didn't kill her." Um, the actress later said, uh, "His eyes were watery and weren't focused." I thought, "Wow, he's giving the best performance of his life." But no, he was just really high on heroin. Oh, wow! That was the that was definitely the eighties, all right. It sure was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I mean, final final thoughts on a Nightmare on Elm Street for you. Um. Pretty solid movie. I I liked the I liked the acting in this one much better. Thought the actors were were really good. Um, still not still not hitting the same notes as Exorcist. Sure. To me, the Exorcist of uh, is, is my favorite one so far. Uh, I haven't seen our next film yet though, so that'll be a new uh, new one to watch uh, as we head into our next uh, next week. Yeah, for sure. I no, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a very good movie. Um, I agree. I think Exorcist is better, but at the same time, I am a real as someone who grew up in the CGI generation. I'm a sucker for practical effects because I just think they're so cool to look at because we don't get them anymore. <laughs> and so a movie like this that is so effect driven um, was fun to watch, and the kills. You know, after seeing the kills in Friday the 13th that were frankly mundane in a lot of ways, um, to see the kills in this movie, I was like, you know, you slammed the foot, you know, pedal to the floor and you revved up the gas. I mean, it was it was an exciting movie, even though Freddy Krueger wasn't thrilling in this particular installment of the franchise. I thought overall uh, it was a good movie. Didn't love the ending, but overall I was very happy. 
as you mentioned, Matt, um, we're going back to the Wes Craven uh, well for our next movie. Uh, he directed our next one, uh, written by Kevin Williamson, uh, who is best known for uh, creating Dawson's Creek, as well as writing our next movie, Scream. David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, among others. Um, and introducing Ghostface. That's right. I'm very excited about this movie. Uh, you know, it's been fun going through the different decades, and now we're entering the 90s, 1996. Uh, definitely a different kind of horror movie. Yeah, it's that is something to definitely keep in mind, the, how the decades change. Uh, the decades change and the horror movies change with them. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, another movie that spawned a large uh, franchise, Screams uh, 1 through 4, as well as a TV series. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to look at. I haven't seen this one. I think this is the only one left of the films that I haven't I haven't watched yet. And it's my last pick because after Scream, I'm done with my three, and then we're going to move on to uh, Blair Witch Project and Hereditary, both of which I'm very excited about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've got some yeah. some good stuffs coming. Uh, we will. I'm kind of looking at the calendar here, um, and we'll be wrapping this up right before Thanksgiving. So beautiful. Yeah, it's perfect. Smack on time. Join perfect the get timing. the whole family around um, and watch some of these movies. It's never too late. Perfect. Anything else you'd like All to right. uh, plug, Matt? Not really. I'm looking forward to getting into the 90s uh, movies a lot. I'm really, really, really looking forward to talking about Hereditary with you. I would love to see your ideas about this movie. And I know nothing about it, which is exciting. Oh, man. Get ready for that one. Especially the um, – from what I've gathered, what I've kind of garnered from you know the years we've spent on this show with you as a co-host is that you – you don't really like not that you don't like surprises, but that there are some there are some times where surprises will like really, really get to you. And hereditary, the end the third act of that movie is such a surprise. I, I just can't wait to, I can't wait to talk to you about it. The thing can't with wait. me and twist movies is it only uh, uh, I won't say any yeah, I won't say anything. No, more, and you but, shouldn't, but I'll just say uh, that twists bother me when I see them coming. And I'm not to like claim I'm like super smart or anything because that's not the point. But I usually tend to see them coming just because I am sort of a movie TV nerd and I get how things are made and why they pointed out that thing for no reason in the first act so they could bring it back in the third act type stuff. So if I don't see it coming, then that'll be exciting for me. Those yeah, are the kind of I, twists I like. I definitely. I I would be surprised if you right. saw this one. All right, well we'll leave if it you, at if you, if you figured this one out before we'll, the third act, like before it re things really take off. I would be very surprised. I, but anyway, that's that's two three movies from now. Yeah, so we've we got, got a couple weeks to go. We've I got haven't a couple watched weeks. any modern horror movies, so the, I, I understand the popularity and the sort of style of it, but this, it'll all be new to me. Um, all the rest of our movies will be. So I'm looking forward to that. Make sure you come back next week for Scream. We appreciate you joining us, of course. Uh, before I get to our stuff, um, I got to do a little cross-promotion here. Don't Panic is still happening. Uh, we published an awesome episode this week. Dan was unable to join us. He was somewhere. Uh, so Colby and I uh, handled it, and we talked about a lot of stuff, including, and Matt, you know this as a former resident of the Northeast, how important it is to have a good selection of jackets. Yeah. 
for all weather, Crucial. and you have to have it before the Crucial. season arrives. You don't want to buy it during the season. Yeah, that's – I would say that is tantamount, imperative, all other words that mean that you have to do it. <laughs> that's very, very important, super important to do to, to survival in the north. Yeah, we break that down, and we talk in the, on the tech news side. We talk about Facebook's new logo. Did you see this, Matt? Uh, no, Facebook has a new logo. Well, they do for the company. Like the logo and the app will stay the same, but like the company that owns it has a new logo. But it's literally just Facebook in all caps in like the lamest font you've ever seen. All right, I'm googling it now. It, it should come right up. Facebook new logo, and it'll come right up for you. It is bland. Um, oh, that's horrible. Yes, but it's all caps. So it's, you know, Facebook, you know, get, sucks. get excited. That's their logo? Yeah. yeah. Like it's not, not going to be that F anymore? No, so it will be. So what it is is it's like, um, because Facebook owns a bunch of companies. They own Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus. And so it's all going to be, that logo will be the overarching company. The Facebook okay. social network will still keep its old blue logo. But now it's like gotcha. Instagram by Facebook. And that logo uh, will be there. WhatsApp by Facebook, and that logo will be there. That's what that's for. Uh, that logo sucks. It does suck. Uh, and this is the kind of great, uh, terrible information you could be learning on Don't Panic. So go check out the episode. It's on the feed right now. Don'tpanic.io or search wherever you get podcasts for Don't Panic, uh, and get up to speed on uh, get up to speed on what's going on in tech. We had a lot of we had a lot of great stories, including we talk about HBO Max, which will be streaming some of the movies. Um, that we're talking about. So a lot of good stuff on there. This show is up for debate at upfordebate.tv. Go there. All the past episodes are there. Check out The Exorcist um, and Friday the 13th before this, if you haven't already. Uh, and of course, subscribe to get Scream and the rest of the movies wherever you get podcasts, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever where you can also get the video version on YouTube. And of course, you can talk with us. We'd love you to tweet at us at upfordebate.tv if you agree or disagree with our opinions or email us upfordebate.tv at gmail.com. That is going to wrap it us for that is going to wrap it up for us here. We'll be back next week with more spooky movies. But until then, on behalf of Matt, I am Sean. Thanks so much for watching. Safe dreams, <laughs> bitch. No, okay, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't end like that. We'll see you next time. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.